They say that no one cares about banking, but that everyone cares about their financial well-being. Yeah, and while that's probably true, it creates a problem. How do you make something as important as banking more accessible and engaging for everyone? At a time when the best way to reach people and get their attention is no longer person to person, a conversational messaging solution could be just what we need. Today, I'm talking to the CEO of Fin.ai, a company that has built an AI-powered personal banking and financial management assistant that you can interact with over a messaging platform. We'll find out how communications is shifting and what this exciting company is doing to try to improve the lives of billions of people by giving them better access to financial services. I'm John Pryo, and welcome to the Impact Podcast. So here we are. So first of all, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. It's great to uh, it's great to be here. We've been listening to to lots of episodes. So. Excited to chip in. So tell me who you are and what your company does, please. I'm Jake Tyler. I'm the co-founder and CEO of FinAI. We're a personal banking and financial management assistant powered by artificial intelligence. So think Siri or Cortana, but just for banking. And we're, we're white label only. So we are an enterprise solution for banks. Perfect. I'm going to go back to, we're going to go back into some of the aspects of finance and banking, but I'd love to take advantage of you here and kind of step back. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of different ways that people can communicate. And, and I've lived through this interesting evolution, you know, and the way I always categorize things in the past was, you know, a telephone call was very synchronous and, you know, email changed the world because it was a little asynchronous. You can go and get your email. Now we have this world of, of, SMSing and, and iMessage and all the different chat interfaces, which I don't know, somewhere sits between the two. You know, some folks in my family get mad when they say, did you get my message? Why didn't you respond to me? And I very politely don't say, well, that wasn't a phone call. I didn't have to pick up my iPhone. G give me your view of kind of the landscape of, of messaging that's out there, please. Yeah, I think it's modern messaging sits in a very interesting place in, in the variety of different types of communication we get. That said, it's something we're all super familiar with. So messaging is used more often than social media. Whether you're in Thailand or in Nicaragua or in Toronto, you are using instant messaging to probably as the, the fundamental way that you communicate with your friends. And I think that one of the interesting things is that we see people using different channels for different types of conversations, or you know, for at least anecdotally from, for me and my friends, sometimes we would use Facebook Messenger for some discussions. Other times we would use WhatsApp for some discussions. And sometimes those things go through SMS. Typically, they're read faster and get a higher priority than email still. So your open rate on a message is almost 100% your open rate on an email, that's a much more crowded inbox. So it does sit somewhere between that. I pick up the telephone and you answer the phone call. We can talk. And I sit there waiting to open up my emails at night. So you do see a, a better hit rate in, in picking up messaging. And now that's, we really talked a bit, you really talked more about where we were with messaging, which was a, which was a social construct. And people were using these tools to communicate amongst themselves. Talk to me a little bit about that paradigm shift as this, this, this mechanism, which was social, is kind of moving to the world of business. 
Yeah. So, so just like we use phones to call our friends, we also use them to call businesses. So it's a, a useful way of doing that. The same will apply to messaging as well. So in the same way that we chat to our friends, we should be able to chat to businesses. And messaging platforms are something we, we all have on our phones. We, we now have the ability to text a restaurant and book a, a dinner. We can do shopping via texting with bots. Um, in our case, you can do most of your banking via a conversation in Facebook Messenger. I think what's interesting is seeing how those conversations are different to your personal conversations, which they certainly are. And we're still pretty early on in people in general getting familiar with texting businesses. But we can look to places like China and WeChat to have a look at a little glimpse into what the future of this looks like. And you mentioned you know, expectations or actually results are different that in, in a lot of these messaging platforms, people do respond more quickly. And if so I think about you mentioned I can use my telephone to call a business. Yeah, I think the biggest frustration that I and zillions of people have is they make a phone call to call a business and they get a voice control unit, a voice response unit, and they lie to you and tell you that the messaging, the menu has changed. Please listen. And they lie to you and tell you that the call volumes are higher than you. Anything to just get you sitting there and waiting. Is it fair to say the expectations on a messaging interface is going to be significantly different from that? There's lots of reasons to think that messaging works better for most cases or at least lots of cases than phone. I mean, the, the first is I don't, there's a whole group of consumers, which would certainly include me, who don't really use their phone for phoning anymore. We mostly use it for texting and, and accessing the internet and other things. So I don't want to have to call anybody. It's disruptive to my life. It's not asynchronous. You know, I have to, I have to dedicate a 15 minute block or something to it. And that just really doesn't fit in with the way that I do most of my communication. So, so that's a big piece of it. The second is that the burden on wait time is always with the consumer. And, and then there's things around the interface. So reading off a menu, an IVR menu, takes a lot of time on the phone. But on instant messaging, you can show it with a graphic interface, the kind of thing that you can work through much faster. So for versus phones, I think the, the big advantages are it's not via phone. The interface will speed up a lot of processes for humans because you can it's graphical not necessarily just voice. And the third big one is that for lots of things, you'll have machines doing the answering and working through the process and giving useful answers back to consumers, not necessarily humans. And so the wait time is dramatically reduced. Excellent. So let's go further now. Let's talk about fin.ai. And, and you said you've made a conscious choice to do a, a vertical play versus a platform play. So help me understand the, why you made that choice to go down that route of bringing an industry expertise down for, fin, you know, for fintech versus kind of the thought of a horizontal platform. And then we'll follow up. I'd like to talk more then about kind of the platforms you've chosen to run on. But help me understand your, your thinking behind and going down the route you did in, in forming your company. We think that if you look at the landscape of AI, the opportunities for people like us to build large, valuable businesses sit in owning a proprietary data set in a specific domain or, or vertical. Um, for us, that domain is financial services. So by, there is getting access to that data set is, is challenging. It often doesn't exist already. We have to integrate with a certain type of company. We have to understand what those consumers want and what the right product suite is. We go through and build up on the natural language side and a taxonomy of intents and entities that's built specifically to match our data model and the kinds of questions and answers that we have. So we can build something in this deep domain area that works really well. And that's uh, that offers us as a smaller company uh, a place to approach. 
uh, appropriate and value versus competing you know, horizontally with people like Google and Amazon who provide this kind of horizontal AI across lots of verticals. So this, this is a way for us to build a defendable business in the market. And you talk about the data that you're collecting. Uh, this, is, this is interesting because this is not my transaction data. This is not my checking account number. This is the data that is all about consumers interacting with banks. Is that right? That's right. It would also include your transaction data. So the, the behavior profile that we're building for you as an individual customer would include a lot of the data that banks already have on you, which we tend not to really look over confidential information, so super private information like passwords and, and other things like that. But it, with our assistant, you can look at your transactions. We can see what kind of accounts you have, how quickly you onboard to different accounts. We can, you can pay bills, pay friends, transfer money, so you can actually execute transactions. And we do a full suite of customer care. So because we are the place that you're going to do your everyday banking, we can also help answer any questions you have about banking. So just so I understand correctly, if I'm going to pay my electric bill, are you taking that request? Obviously, you're taking the request from me because you own that interface with me, the consumer. Are you then passing it on to the existing bank payment system or using a, a different way to execute the payment? Yeah, we sit on top of a bank's existing system. So we are a user interface layer or a user experience layer built on top of the bank's existing core platform. So we would integrate into a middleware layer or directly into their core to do that. So you might say in Google Assistant, pay my water bill. We would figure out what you're asking for, call an API from a bank and, and execute the transaction. So some of that data is passing through, but in terms of privacy and collecting the data, which is, which is most important to you? I'm, and I'm thinking about from a privacy perspective and the information you need to share with your consumers in terms of you know, what it is that you're collecting and, and learning from. We are learning from the transaction data and your interactions with the assistant. We, are, we go through a pretty heavy um, approval process with each individual bank. So that is reasonably onerous on us, on us each time we do it. So there is a lot to become a bank-grade platform here. But the benefit is that we're able to learn from the kinds of thing, the way that you interact with our assistant, the kinds of transactions you make, the amount of money you have in your bank account at the end of each month, um, how quickly you pay your bills and things like that to be a more useful banking assistant to each individual customer. What process, I, actually, let me put this in perspective. So I have a, I will leave my bank unnamed. Uh, I don't love their interface. And then there's a little drop down menu that says things you can do. So I click on that and I get five things. And I assure you, I want number six and number seven that are not there. <laughs> it should, kind of sort of drives me nuts. So uh, as, as you built the plot, and I, I should use, maybe I shouldn't use the word platforms, you built Fin.ai out. Uh, how did you decide what processes you were going to focus on? Yeah, I think one of the benefits of an interface that's more like an, an assistant interface, which says, what do you want to do, open-ended, rather than here's five things you can do, select one of them, is that the open-ended interface, we can have an almost unlimited amount of functionality there. So we can have products that are built specifically for you, personalized specifically for you, and then recommend them to you at the right time and at the right place. That's the, that's the challenge. The, the paradigm shift is that banks have always built generic products that worked okay for lots of people and put them in a drop-down list. So a big part of what the, the, the promise is with these kinds of products is, is deep personalization for individual customers. 
and hope and hopefully the interface that we have enables customers to access that depersonalization a lot easier in the same way that scrolling through Netflix is a lot more intuitive than skipping through a really long reader's you know, TV digest or something like that. So it definitely is an NLP engine that matters. Are there times that you even choose to put any menu options for someone? Bad example, you know, Domino's pizza, I'm ordering a pizza and they give me the options of vegetable or pepperoni or meat. Do you ever do menus or is it always going to be NLP? So, so we're big fans of suggested messages and menus in the interface. I think if you look at things like Google Quick Replies is really successful because it's intuitive and useful. It's really complicated as well to do that well. There's some times when that works great. Menus and, and structured decision trees and flows like that. Ordering a pizza can be, can be great. Discovery when you're, you don't know what to ask for and we can suggest things. That's great. And sometimes if you know exactly, you know, just take the pizza example, let's, let's take paying a bill. You know exactly what you want to pay and you want to say to Google Assistant or Amazon Alexa, pay my water bill $25, then that's a great natural language query to go and pay. But uh, we also think that these experiences, then the natural language component of these experiences is, is key, but also the use of structured messages, suggested messages, menus is also very fundamental. And, and the other very important component is prompts and alerts. In a lot of cases, people aren't looking to have, for banking in particular, long conversations with their bank. They're looking, in fact, to reduce the amount of time they have to spend interacting with their bank. So in the bill payment example, rather than you having to say, pay my water bill $25, the better, you know, the better use for you would probably be us sending you an alert when your water bill's due and saying, do you want to pay your water bill? You can afford it. Excellent. Excellent. So obviously you're evolving and learning based on what the consumers are doing. And if the menus elements and call outs are effective, you use them. Uh, you're learning through all the NLP interactions. Uh, have you gone about training? How do you continuously train the system? How do you focus on that? The system's trained both based on genuine usage so we're training the system based on genuine usage, and that's part of the value that we add to, um, to clients. So how users like you interact with the system, how we can personalize the experience for you based on your particular behavior profile. So it's a combination of building that behavior profile and then a recommendation engine to adjust the behavior of the assistant, the kind of products and features it's recommending to you individually for you. And we're still... I would say early on and certainly early on in, in doing some of the more fun stuff around that. For the natural language component, um, we also have a lot of human involvement. So whenever we're not able to answer a question, it goes to a human agent. We have uh, a human agent either helping to train our assistant all the time. So that human agent, um, when they're answering a question, would either select from a couple of suggested responses that we've given to them that had a lower confidence interval, or they would add a new response. Uh, and then we go through that with more senior customer care agents to approve the responses because in banking, you, you have to make sure that the response is, has a, a very high quality assurance around it. The content that we're giving has a high quality assurance. So for us, there's a lot of human involvement in content building and content management with our clients. I love the fact that you're making the suggestions to the humans, uh, you know, based on your confidence indicators, and then they're choosing against it. So there's some real clear learning right there on which ones work and, and don't work. Uh, what, what's the expectation 
of the end users. Do they think they're talking to a human? Do they think they're talking to a bot? And when you do this human in the back end, do they, do they perceive or change? Yeah, this is, this is a really interesting one. I'm fascinated to see how this pans out over time. But for, for now, we, we're, super, we're very, very clear when we hand off to when it's a bot versus a human. Um, and I think managing expectations is an extremely important part of the interface. So if you're really clear about what you do and what you do well and where you're learning or what you maybe don't do well, then I think you individual users can have a much better experience where I think you run into challenges if you promise the world and, um, and only deliver well on a, on a few things and are frustrating for lots of other things. So when it's a human, I think people's expectations change again. I also think the way people talk to a bot is different to the way they talk to a human. You don't need to be as polite or you know, as thankful to a bot necessarily as you might to a human. And so that kind of changes the, the way that people interact too. That's interesting. I always, I thought the ultimate success of a, of, a, of a bot or not discussion was when you did have a good interaction with a bot and you said, thank you. <laughs> it was kind of a very human interaction in that case. So you, you see this as different. You're making it very clear that you're an automated system helping the end user. And if the end user needs help, they end up talking to a human. For us, a lot of what we're focusing on is helping individual consumers spend less time banking and worry less about banking while improving their financial health. That's our goal. I think if you're looking for things like empathy, so, so we don't need to fool anybody into thinking that they're talking to a human when they're not. We need to be really efficient and, and effective. And I think you'll still have humans jumping in the loop when you want to vent frustration or you want to have somebody empathize with your situation or things like that. These are the areas where humans will be involved will we'll kind of move up the value chain. It sounds like you framed out exactly what matters to you and your customers. So that makes, makes a lot of sense to me. And then on the bank side, obviously you mentioned earlier on that you white label it for the bank. So there's a, there's a little bit of element of personalization and skinning. Uh, but what else are you looking for the banks to, to bring to the table for you? One of the good things about banking, for the consumer side at least, it, it's pretty similar almost everywhere in the world, what you want as a, as a consumer when it comes to banking. More free cash flow and safer free cash flow often. Um, and then banking as a product looks pretty standardized across almost all countries or across most countries. So as a product, we can offer a relatively standardized product suite to most banks anywhere in the world. For individual banks, what we're looking for is... You know, integrating with their, their core platform is a r relatively complex challenge, although it's something that they have a lots of experience doing, doing with other vendors and are getting more experienced at. So integrating with the core platform is always a, a fun part of the project. Working through with them and building out an intent and entity taxonomy is, uh, is a big part of our projects. And then integrating with the cu human customer care teams is, a, is another big element of it. Yeah, makes sense. Well, that's great. Well, Jake Tyler, fin.ai, thank you for being with us today. This was a fascinating discussion. Thanks for having us. Re really appreciate it. My thanks again to Jake Tyler for both framing a problem and showing how a solution can be built. And although we now understand what he's doing for banking customers, I'm sure you'll see how relevant conversational business can be across many industries. For the Impact Podcast, I'm John Pryor.